Here is a great chance to gain insights into how to build big businesses and what mistakes can and should be avoided. Not only is this podcast the brainchild of the brand called You, it is also an HT Smartcast original and it is available on htsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Today I have a very very accomplished woman, Pooja Bhaku on the show. Pooja, welcome to the show. Pooja is currently a tapestry artist. She's a creative writer. She's a blogger and she's a poet. And she spent a large part of her life as an advertising professional. So, Pooja, tell me a little bit about your early career. Okay, so my career started in a pretty unstructured manner because I came from a service background, but I was very keen to do my own business and uh, be my own boss. So, I did my undergrad in home science and my postgrad in public administration. So, my career has seen three very distinct phases mm-hmm. over in it. And the first phase, which lasted from the age of 20 to about 26, was the most challenging. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of personal as well as professional challenges. But, of course, there was a lot of learning and there were life lessons which uh, helped me have a far smoother subsequent image. So, uh, my first career idea came from my passion for embroidery and uh, handicrafts and crochet. Mm -hmm. So, I put together a team of some 14, 15 women and uh, we started to create... uh, handcrafted sweaters for children mm-hmm. and we were supplying to known brands such as uh, Childcare and Infuse in Delhi and uh, my own brand was called PJ Crafts after my name Pooja. Okay. So um, so PJ Crafts was a lot of fun but since it was a seasonal business I started to look for some additional challenge work-wise. So I was aware that uh, advertising and communication was a new line of business that was not only creative it was also lucrative. So I decided to take the plunge mm-hmm. and but my funding partner in this business was uh, based out of Chandigarh. Mm-hmm. So my family relocated to Chandigarh mm-hmm. and Chandigarh initially I did try to carry on with PJ Crafts but uh, the market dynamics they were very different from uh, Delhi. Mm-hmm. So also advertising turned out to be a very demanding business. So PJ Crafts had to be relegated to the uh, status of a hobby and I got full throttle into advertising. Initially I dabbled in various departments of advertising but I soon found my forte in on the creative side. So then I consolidated my knowledge of creatives you know I learned various designing softwares. I got into art direction and everything related sure, to architecture. Sure. So that was a tremendous learning curve. Okay. But then some unexpected personal challenges happened and they marred my career too. And, and were you working with some large agency or did no, you have your own agency? That was my own agency. Your agency. Okay. My own agency. Okay. And uh, in fact, we were, we became, uh, that subsequently happened that we became the largest billing agency in uh, mm-hmm. the region. But so these uh, personal challenges marred my uh, career and uh, I became a victim of a fraud in my own uh, agency where my resignation was forced. Wow. And um, so I was unceremoniously ousted from the uh, board of directors. Of your own company? Of my own company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and suddenly I had no money to pay my bills and, you know, to uh, pay my rent and to foot all those litigation expenses. So that was a very challenging period and I was, my career hit rock bottom that time. So, but then like they say that life is a 
10 speed bicycle and uh, you know you have gears which you don't uh, use unless Correct. you really get an opportunity so this was my time to use all my unused gears mm-hmm. and so i started from the scratch once again and i built up a new agency brick by brick mm-hmm. and so that was the starting of my second phase okay and initially, I had very limited staff, so I was heading all the uh, departments myself, mm-hmm. business development, uh, marketing, and uh, creatives and all. But then I, somehow marketing seemed to blur my design sensibilities. So I wanted somebody to look after the uh, business side so that I could uh, concentrate on my core strength, which was uh, advertising. Creative, yeah. So that is where uh, Sunil, who's now my husband, mm-hmm. he came in. And uh, Sunil had extensive experience in marketing, and he also had very good contacts. So Sunil came on board and uh, fortunately our uh, professional sensibilities were completely aligned. After that, I think within the next 10 years, we had mopped up all the, the top clients, the top budgets, and we became the largest billing agency in uh, the North. And then in 2002, we relocated to Delhi to further expand our business. And uh, we got into TV commercials, into outdoors, into online advertising. So through online channels, we were also servicing uh, international clients so another 10 years went by you know again mm. work work and more work and then i think we were in our um, mid 40s mm. and uh, both of us one day we were just sitting and uh, you know reminiscing or reflecting about our choreograph over the last 20 years and then we said you know what what's happening when we have only one string to our conversational violin every time we sit together we start to think about how we'll make more money and all and it was literally like going on this, you know, the corporate rat race. We had actually, we were foregoing a lot of other things that constitute a holistic living. Mm. So our bucket list was waiting, our product drivers were waiting, Correct. our auxiliary interests were waiting. And we were just riding this corporate treadmill. In spite of the fact that our retirement corpus was kind of in place, you know, nothing very ostentatious, yeah. but it was enough to take care of our aging parents. So then we asked ourselves that now at this stage, do we want uh, more money at the cost of being busy 24-7? Or do we now want more time while age is still on the side? So because uh, what happens is after a certain age, all money can do is pay for your kidneys or your stents or it can pay for your bypass surgeries and your uh, knee replacements. And I've often said to people, you know, one more zero (laughs) is not going to change your life. It doesn't matter because... Beyond the point, it's, it can't do anything. Correct. So that is when we uh, decided that the uh, day we touch uh, 50, we will retire. Wonderful. And so that's what happened when we... So you sold your agency then? Yes, we uh, passed it on to new promoters. Okay. And then we opened ourselves to all the experiences that a non-regimented life has to offer. So for me, it was literally like, you know, un- unexplored, Vibgyot, Vistas are opened up and uh, the world was my oyster. And uh, after, I think, 32 years, for the first time, I was time rich. So, and I decided to make the most of it. So, that was the beginning of my third year. So, let's talk about the third thing. What are the (laughs) things that you are doing now? Yes. So, in my third innings, I, firstly, I started my singing classes. Okay. I joined dance classes. I joined uh, readers clubs. I joined writers clubs. I uh, started my own blog called uh, Planet Puja, where I talk about life experiences and uh, social and political issues and uh, then I started to write poetry and not those very uh, philosophical kinds but you know the from mm-hmm. the heart variety mm-hmm. and uh, in fact recently my poem uh, Awaiting the News it uh, won the New York uh, Literary Magazine Award too. Wow. Yeah. So now I'm writing a book uh, which is an anthology of my uh, poems and my writings and my life experiences mm-hmm. and uh, for the last three years I'm running this initiative called uh, Tapestry to Charity. 
because uh, tapestry making was a hobby which I was practicing right through my uh, old so, years. So let, let's look at your various interests one by one. Okay. You know, let's start with tapestry for charity. Tell me a little bit about the scope of work you do. See, this charity was something which was always very, it was an integral part of my bucket list. So once I retired, I got associated with a lot of organizations like uh, the Earth Foundation, the um, uh, Learning Ladder, Akshar Gyan, Connecting Suicide Health Drive. So I was uh, teaching underprivileged children and I was uh, extending free designing support to various NGOs. But still, I would feel a little guilty following my uh, passion for uh, embroidery. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friends had been urging me to have exhibitions because my entire house is packed with, you know, all my art and all. Correct. So then I had this eureka moment where I said, why don't I go commercial with my hobby? And uh, from the proceeds, I do charity. Okay. From there. So that is when I started this initiative called Tapestry for Charity. And, you know, when I was reading about you, you mentioned that you are turning an idea into a work of art. Yes. Tell me the process and what do you do? See, turning an idea into a work of art requires a combination of two things, basically. It's, firstly, it's a fertile imagination and then it's a vivid uh, visualization. Because when you see an idea or a muse, you should be able to split it down to the uh, absolute basic or you should be able to layer it up to its most complex form okay. on the canvas of your mind. And in a painting, what happens is you uh, you can correct a creative anomaly by simply you know using the brush. But uh, when in a tapestry, it's very difficult to unpick what you've done. Mm-hmm. So it becomes all the more important to first have the entire idea in your mind before you start the making. For our listeners, can you help us to understand what is tapestry? What is tapestry? Tapestry is basically, there are two kinds. One is the, the loom tapestry, which is done with machines and all. Which are curtains, is it? Not curtains exactly, but... Um, Any kind of they are, they are woven. Those tapestries are woven with, okay. uh, on the loom. But this kind, the one I do, which is patipua. It's a stitch called patipua. Mm-hmm. So there I, it's net... I take net and I sketch portrait on that and I paint it roughly. Okay. And then I do the stitch, which is patipua or needlepoint, it's called. Okay. So this is filled up from one end to the other. And that's mm-hmm. called a tapestry. Okay. And you mentioned that, you know, you have reinvented needlepoint embroidery, yes. which is a European art form yeah. adapted with Indo-ethnic dimension. Yeah. And I'm just quoting you. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I can't claim yeah. to say I understand everything. Yeah. So my question to you is, what does this mean? Okay. See, Patipur or Needlepoint, uh, both the names are, you can use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. So these are basically, it's a European art form, which was associated with the ruling classes and the uh, elite of the 18th century. So my college library had some very amazing books on Patipur. And because of my interest in uh, embroidery, I devoured all those books and I learned the nuances of the craft. So that was always there with me. When my PJ crafts became just a hobby, so what I used to do was source these cross, cross-stitch kits from the market. So that used to have, you know, it was a packet which had some threads and it would have a piece of painted canvas. But that canvas would have very unimaginative designs and all. So I wasn't very happy doing it. And I was toying with the idea of starting to paint my own canvas. Meanwhile, what happened was one of the wool suppliers whom I was meeting when PJ crafts was run. So that person's... Uh, Wool store had a short circuiting. So his entire wool collection got burnt. burnt from silt from the ends. So he had these woolen strands, you know, burnt from both ends and he didn't know what to do with them. He had a whole storeroom full of that. So he said, uh, can you please help me out with this? So out of nothing but uh, pure sympathy, I told him, I said, okay, I'll buy this entire wool from you. So I put my own lock outside this room. And now I didn't know what to do with those strands. So then I had another you know, Eureka moment where I thought, why don't I use my knowledge of Patipua and I use these threads 
and I paint a canvas mm-hmm. and then, you know, create tapestries. Mm-hmm. Now, now what I wanted was inspiration or a muse to start this work. So I happened to travel to Rajasthan and there I saw these Rajasthani men with those, you know, those strong jawlines and those lush moustaches and those colourful turbans. So I said, that's my muse. I took a lot of pictures of these people and I came back and because I was aware of these uh, designing software. So I made uh, digital portraits on uh, Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So then I painted on canvas and transferred that design there and yes. I employed so that is how I I say that it's an in, inter-ethnic dimension too. This is a very, very labor-intensive. It is, yeah. In today's world, do you see the younger people take it up more or is it just something that you are being able to pursue because of your passion? I don't think the, the current generation has that kind of patience mm-hmm. to indulge in something like this. So they will appreciate what you've done and you know they'll really admire the intricate labor-intensive tapestry. So they wonder why would somebody spend... Six to eight months doing something correct, like that. Yeah. Correct. You know, again, just for all our viewers and listeners yeah. who will be listening to you and we talk, you know, every time you go somewhere in Europe and look at the museums and all those palaces, mm. what you see hanging, hanging on the walls is what is tapestry. Yeah. And that is what Puja is doing. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So one tapestry takes about four to eight months, even nine months to create. Easily. Then, yeah. Easily. And it is a labor of love. It is. Mm-hmm. So have you ever thought of doing an exhibition of what you're doing? I have done exhibitions. You have done? Yeah. In okay. fact, I'm also showcasing with needing more furnishing stores okay. and um, well, select clientele, in fact, in the US, in the UK, in Australia, so, mm-hmm. you know, okay. buy my tapestries on a regular basis, which I use for charity. So, that's yeah. fantastic. So, Puja, let's move to your next passion, which is writing. You are a creative writer, you are a blogger and you're a poet. My first question to you is, what makes a good writer? Yeah, good writer... I think it, there has to be the most important aspect of a good writer is that it has there has to be an inborn, organic and very authentic passion for the written word. Because if you don't have that passion, you will never bother about the, you know, those nuances of a craft which separates good writing from ordinary writing. Correct. So for me, a good writer is a little like wine connoisseur or a sommelier because he knows how to blend different textures and tonalities and, you know, vintage of different words on the palette of his intellect mm-hmm. and uh, that create beautiful writing. And when you write, do you write with a fixed schedule or do you write only when you have the urge to write? I think I'll go with the second part. Mm-hmm. I love writing and I really enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. I think it's power yoga for the mind actually, you know, to write. Since my first love is uh, embroidery, this writing has always played second fiddle to it. Correct. So I write when I feel very strongly about a certain issue. Or uh, I write sometimes to declutter my mind and, you know, to uh, streamline my own thought process. Then when I create a tapestry, I write a poem on the tapestry. Or uh, I'll write for a loved one or uh, some friend. So, um, and then also my book. So when uh, there are, on a good day, I will write chapter after chapter for my book. And uh, then I will go completely off the writing radar. So, but uh, I've seen that I'm more focused on writing at night because you get unlimited hours, you know, and there's nobody to really puncture your thought bubble and talk or disturb you. Yeah, exactly. Then the fact that you were able to do such intense cross stitches yeah. means that you've obviously got a very, very good memory. But let me ask you one more question on writing before we move to the next yeah. section, which is that, you know, you blog, you write, and you're a poet. What makes a good story? Firstly, I think it should have an enticing opening. It should have a middle that is engaging. And then the ending has to be powerful so that it stays with the person. And also there should be no fluff. There should be one should get to the point, you know. And 
that that's what i don't like, like about uh, fiction right. there's just too much fluff pooja thank you very much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you thank you i hope your bucket list <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gets ticked off every year. Yes, it is and, getting. That's what I'm doing. And uh, yes. incredible. Why, why should only one thing define you for the rest of your life? Why should there be multiple things? So many things to do. Right? Yes. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, the brand called You, and never miss any update. For feedback. reach us on at ht smartcast we are present on facebook instagram and twitter to listen to more podcasts by the brand called you log on to www.htsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariya se this was an ht smartcast original ht smartcast